This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk, another edition of Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, September 10th, 2020 edition. And we know that the quarter is rapidly coming to an end. And the big question is will the fourth quarter be different than last year? Will it be different than the rest of the year has been? Right, with a very tough first quarter and a very solid second and so far third quarter. And there's various forces that are trying to counter each other. We know that, that are affecting the market and our lives. And you have to be prepared for continuing volatility, as you've seen over the past week or so. It's starting to pick up a little bit. Right, and you have to know how to adjust your portfolio and create an asset mix that is appropriate for your particular goals, depending on your age, the amount of money you have, your spending habits, how long you want to work for, or maybe you are retired, are you focused more on income for yourself, more for growth for yourself, or maybe for the next generation? We have a lot of clients like that, right? With where they have plenty of money for themselves, but they're, they have an eye for future generations. And so those are all questions you have to ask for yourself and that will play into your strategy. And that's our goal here today. I'm Justin Klein. In this program and podcast, I will do my best to provide you with some unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions and thus help you develop those strategies to help deal with the current market that we are in. And I'm here ready to take your calls at 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Market today was down, decidedly down day after it looks like there will be no second stimulus package before the election. The Republicans put forth a more slimmed down stimulus package that the Democrats shot down. And this is Honestly, what I've been expecting. The Democrats don't really have a lot of incentive to help the economy in the next 45, 50 days, right? They're trying to win an election. And so, unless they get their policies passed, they're not going to give in. And they can easily say, well, we're offering to spend more, which they are. Right? They've proposed a $3 trillion stimulus, the Republicans a trillion, and it's easy to say, well, we want to do all these things for the American people, and the Republicans don't want to come to the table. They don't want to, they don't want to give the help to Americans that they desperately need, and polls say that they want. And so it's an easy bargaining position, I think, for the Democrats, and that's why you're not getting uh, a stimulus bill. And this goes back to what I've been saying, which is the role of stimulating the economy has been moved from the Fed into the Treasury and thus Congress. Right? Fed can only lend. And it is lending to the government by creating money and monetizing the debt. Well, 
It's up to the government to spend and stimulate. And right now, it doesn't look like there will be a stimulus going into the election. And I think that's, from a political standpoint, it sounds like, seems like that's a better thing for the Democrats because they want, they rather have the market down going into the election. That's the way I look at it. Right? This isn't a political thing. This isn't me saying what should or shouldn't happen. I'm just giving you my sense of what it looks like has happened. You know, they rather have a weakening stock market. And that's kind of what you started to see over the past week or so. So we're going to go further into this. We're going to look a little deeper in this show. And get into a few ta- few discussion points. One has to do with millennials and uh, kind of the fourth turning idea that we're into. This is a new report from Deutsche Bank. So we're going to dig into that kind of relates to kind of the fourth turning, what I've been uh, discussing on this podcast for some time here. Uh, and then I have a few others that I want to discuss as well. Now, you can already hear that we have a busy and information-packed podcast for you today. So let's get right to our first caller at 88899. My name is Carl Cecil. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I got a question on uh, Beyond Meat, B-Y-N-D. I bought it as a long-term holding. Just wanted to know if it was good to hang on to or should I dump it? All right. Uh, I'm going to say I would dump it. This is very expensive stock. You're talking about supposed to make $0.09 cents a share this year, $0.59 cents a share next year. It's $143 stock. Extremely expensive. Growth is slowing dramatically. Last quarter, revenues were up 69%. And that sounds like gangbusters. But that's down from the year prior quarter, which was up 287%. And they still lost two cents a share last quarter. So this is a slowing growth story. They have a good balance sheet. I like that. But it's certainly well, well overvalued at these levels. And this goes back to a market that's been obsessed with growth stocks. And the story. And beyond me, you know, it's a great story. It's a veggie burger. That's what it is. It's a veggie burger. It's not a different way. Maybe a little better than previous ones. More, you know, lab generated <laughs> as opposed to just throwing together veggie material. And, you know, it has great marketing. And the growth, once again, is solid but slowing. And so it's extremely expensive. It's a great short. Uh, I would definitely not be buying Beyond Meat. You listen to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein for investors. The need to remain vigilant never ends. And with strong crosswinds, volatility is going to affect your decisions, right? Fear and greed will likely keep creeping in to your decision making process. And it's our job to help you best avoid that. You don't want to be using emotions. You want to be using facts, figures, logic, balanced analysis. And that's what we are to help. We are here to help you do. So let's talk about whatever is on your mind. Your participation is as important as ever. 
So we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. It's an Invest Talk Thursday. Justin Klein is on duty, and he's happy to provide unbiased answers, but you've got to call with your questions. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. Let's go to Tim in Ontario, who wants to talk about retirement. Hey, Justin. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks for making it. Hey, I've learned more from you guys in the short time I've been listening to you than I have in probably the 20 plus years of trying to study in the investment market. And so I'm really appreciative of you guys. Hey, well, uh, thanks. Thank you for tuning in and I appreciate those kind words. Uh, what can I help you with? All right. So I was a teacher for about a third of a career, about 10 years Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. built up uh, my pension. uh, But then Mm -hmm. I stopped teaching. Um, Mm -hmm. the account has been growing on its own, um, for about five years and I looked into the statements on it and it's growing less than 1% a year. Mm -hmm. So my question is, especially with this COVID pandemic and from what I hear, some kind of forgiveness or at least a deferment of your tax penalties of clearing out your pension account, would you guys recommend leaving it? or pulling it out and moving it into a different type of investment account? Well, for most people, the best move, and this depends on everybody's situation, uh, and, but it sounds like in your, in your situation it would apply, uh, is to roll that over into an IRA. And you shouldn't have any tax consequences for that. Uh, so you'll get, uh, I'm assuming there's a lump sum amount that you can take out today, correct? Correct. Yeah, so that's what I would do. Uh, I would set up uh, an IRA uh, at a, one of the major brokerage firms. Uh, you know, we use TD Ameritrade, so if you want to use them, um, and, and you can roll that over. Uh, we do this all the time for for new clients. Uh, they might have an old 401k, or they might have an old pension, or whatever. We help them uh, set up that rollover IRA, and then manage that process of getting that into uh, into the IRA and out of that uh, that pension or IRA or 401k or whatever. So uh, we can obviously help you with that if you want us to manage that account, or you can do that on your own and go through that process and set that up with one of those major brokers. So that's what I would recommend. Then you have freedom, right, to, to invest the account how you wish, uh, and hopefully grow that more than that one percent a year that you're getting right now. Yeah, working at about 0.9 percent a year at this point. Over yeah, so that's 0.9 yeah, percent over five yeah, years. That's, so that's, that's pretty low. Terrible, in my opinion. Now, I, now what I've heard from you guys talking yeah, that, in the last few bad. weeks, which is the only reason why I would consider possibly just taking the tax penalty even if I had to and taking it into like an ETF or an index fund or something like that was that IRAs don't sound like they're much more than what I'm earning in this pension. Is Am I understanding that? Well, an IRA is just a type of account. Yeah, a lot of people look at, they think that an IRA or a Roth IRA or a 401k or all, all these are types of accounts. That's all they are. What you 
when you when you set them up and you put that money into that brokerage that brokerage uh, account that that's set up as an as an IRA or or whatever, uh, it's up to you. You can put whatever you want into it. You could put it all in Apple. You could put it all in one stock. You could put it all in one mutual fund. You can put it in whatever you want. Obviously, in the pension, you're very limited. In in are you you don't have any choice, right? Because it's probably Calpers. I'm assuming. Uh, yeah. and then, you know, if in a 401k, you're very limited to, you know, a dozen or so different mutual funds typically. So that's the advantage there is to, uh, open it up to whatever investment that you, that you want. It's up to you to make the right decisions or an advisor like us to make the right decisions. Uh, but that at least gives you the opportunity to make more than that 1% that you talked about. Right on. Well, I appreciate your time and, and, I, and your advice. And I'll probably be calling you guys up to uh, utilize your services. Appreciate it. Thanks for the call, Tim. Now, my focus point today concerns a story a German bank analyst, Deutsche Bank, uh, described an age of disorder as millennials will begin to redistribute wealth. And this is kind of goes along the lines of uh, a report from Bank of America that I discussed uh, roughly three to six months ago, post-pandemic, but maybe early summer. I forget the exact time frame, but uh, it's pretty similar to that and also kind of echoes the fourth turning, right, where we're going into this age of continued transformation and more drastic transformation of society, politics, et cetera, and potentially financial markets. And I think this is going to be very interesting to see how the next five to 10 years evolve. And it's a complex story, and I'm going to break it down and try to simplify it for you as well. Also, lobbying for a better 401k. Most people don't know that those limited 401k plans that you may operate under at your employer, right, where you can only pick from some targeted funds, and then a list of maybe 10 or 12 other types of mutual funds. Well, there's ways that you can lobby for a better 401k. I'm going to talk to you about how you could potentially do that. And then I'm going to go into the recent phenomenon of volatility in tech stocks and what that means for the average investor. I'm going to go over what you've seen over the past couple of months, and I think that would be interesting to discuss. Now, here on Talk, and at my company, KP Financial, we practice parallel investing, and we're dedicated to unbiased guidance. So if you want to reach out to myself or Steve, just head over to investtalk.com, 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. It's Thursday, and there's no doubt that the COVID-19 pandemic has caused financial disruptions around the world. But you've got an asset portfolio to protect and grow. So you've got finance and investment questions. Justin Klein is here, and he's taking your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Jennifer in Los Angeles looking at NVIDIA. Hi, hi, Justin. I love your show. I just like to know that the I actually, I actually own this stock, right? Nvidia, Nvda, 
Andy, um, mm-hmm. I would like to I I would like to know what is your opinion. Should I hold it or should I sell it? Because it's election year. Well, this has had a. This has had a major reversal here over the past couple of days, uh, in uh, very similar to the NASDAQ uh, as a whole. Now, it is still in a broader uptrend. It's above its 200, 150-day moving average, now below the 20-day, however, uh, which is the first time that's really happened on consecutive days uh, since, well, pretty much when we were in the downtrend in, in March. So uh, this has had a massive rally and it could have a massive undoing if there is a rotation out of the growth stocks and into value. And right now the enterprise value even on this is 71, which is extremely, extremely high. Uh, and so I think it is very overvalued at these levels. And so I would either cut or eliminate this from your portfolio. What percentage of your overall portfolio is it? Uh, 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 about the uh, uh, 30%. Yes. <laughs> so cut it down to 5% or less. Way too high. Way, 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 way too high. Thanks for the call, Jennifer. Uh, and that's a lesson for all of you. I know a lot of people, there's a lot of new investors listening to the show. Uh, we've almost doubled our listenership since uh, the beginning of the year. And this partly is just natural growth, right? We've been growing in Best Talk pretty, pretty consistently for... Over a decade, right? We've been podcast putting it out as a podcast. The radio show goes back to the 90s, but the podcast goes back to 2008. So we've had consistent growth, but I've seen a a, a big spike here uh, this year, and a lot of that has to do with tons of retail investors coming in, interested in uh, investing. And uh, since the March low, it's been pretty easy to make money. But as you've seen recently, uh, once volatility picks up. There's uh, there's going to be a lot of emotions that creep in, especially for new investors. And this is where it gets very important to understand how to risk manage, how to diversify, how to allocate a portfolio properly. And 30% of one of your portfolio in one particular company is way, way, way too high. You want to stick in that three to five percent range uh, overall. And so the fact that she had 30% of your, her portfolio in it is extremely too high. Now, from time to time, we get those questions submitted through email. I got this one today. Can you let me know what you think about Plug? I like the hydrogen fuel sector. It should grow. Plug is growing their revenue fast, but they still have not turned a profit for what I see. Could you take a look and let us know on your podcast? And I think I... I had a question on this a few weeks ago, and this is in the hydrogen fuel cell space. It's been in that space for a long, long time. And the problem with fuel cells is they've never been profitable or economical. And that's why the plug doesn't make money, is because their products are not economical. And if you look at their business model, it's... Very similar to Tesla's. It's it's raise capital. Their share count has gone from 13 million in 2010 to 280 million shares today. Okay, so they consistently year after year after year they issue equity in order to finance their negative cash flow and their losses. So. Uh, that's that's plug. And so that's why I definitely would not be buying it. And you know, it's a it's once again a great story. This is a story market. But when that turns, remember, when I think there's a very decent chance this is 
March, I guess March 2000 would be August 2020. So we'd be in April 2000, right? Now that we're in the September. I think it's very possible that this could have been the major peak. There was extreme volume, extreme volume to the upside in NASDAQ stocks. A lot of that was fueled by the SoftBank, uh, you know, move into call options, etc. But it was fervent, fervent interest in tech stocks over the past month or so. And usually that means some sort of blow off top. Now, what that could also mean is the beginning of a speculative inflationary melt up, which is certainly possible as well. In that case, we could going, be going to new highs. But I think there's a pretty solid chance that that was a major, major peak in the NASDAQ and tech stocks, including many of these story stocks. So what does that mean if you're an investor? It means you have to refocus on cash flows, balance sheets, reasonable valuations, and less about the story. Because at the end of the day, that's what investing is about. I know it's exciting to talk about, ooh, the next great technology like fuel cells, which that's been the next great technology for decades now. But investing, remember, a stock, a share. Remember, what does the word share come from? You're owning a share of a business. So what does that mean? You need to understand the business. And so many people understand the story, but they do not understand the business. And that's what you need to focus on right now. Now, the next Invest Talk, leveraging our awareness on National 401k Day. That story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the Internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses, 
that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Let's go to CZAT in Connecticut looking at IBM, International Business Machines. Do you own it or are you looking to buy it? I'm looking to buy it, Justin. Okay. And why do you? Why are you looking to buy it? What's uh, so attractive about it? Uh, particularly their dividend uh, looks mm-hmm. like about 5% dividend. Mm-hmm. Okay. And do you know if that dividend is safe? I wasn't sure. I, I, I looked at it and it seems like they keep on increasing the dividend, but mm-hmm. it also seems like they have a heavy debt, so I wasn't sure if I was reading that right. Yeah, they do have a decent amount of debt, and they did increase their dividend about a penny, but that's, uh, uh, what was that, last year, early this year? And you know that actually is a big drop from its cons- usually consistent increase of, uh, 10, 5, actually it's been slowing, that dividend growth has been slowing pretty dramatically uh, of re- in recent years. Because in 2010 they were paying 65 cents, then they upped it to 75 cents, then 85, 95, then dollars $1.10, $1.30, $1.40, $1.50, then $1.57, and then $1.62, and now $1.63. So over the past couple of years they've dramatically slowed that dividend growth, and a lot of that has to do with the slowing of their earnings, right? 2013, they made $16.64. This year, they're only supposed to make $11.03. Pretty much lower earnings almost every single year over the past eight, nine years. So that's the worry here. Revenue continues to decline. 5% negative revenue growth last quarter, 3% the quarter before. Uh, so, And then earnings are down 31% year over year. So this is a... a a dying name. Now, is it dying slow? Sure. Uh, could they turn it around? And they, they are making some acquisitions. Uh, they are doing their best to transition the business from, you know, legacy mainframes and, and into the, the cloud era. But they're having a tough time doing that. And that's really the issue here. Now, if they can do that, they can just get to flat revenue growth and turn in, turn their cloud business into something that can turn the business around, then certainly it is relatively cheap. Because if you look at its operating earning yield of 8%, that's solid. Enterprise value, even as 105 that's 
not too bad, not too high, definitely. Uh, but their dividend is pay ratio is 73%. And if profits continue to decline, that is an issue. And so that's why I would pass on IBM for now. And they certainly have potential to turn it around. But all the numbers tell me that they're not doing it. They're making lower highs, lower lows. Technically, it looks relatively weak. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of potential here, but I would pass on it for now. Keep it on your watch list for, for a turnaround in the business to back to growth. And I think when they get there, this stock could scream higher, but I'm not seeing signs of that quite yet, and I would continue to monitor it. So thanks for the call, CZ. Let's go to Kurt in Phoenix, looking at HE, which is, I believe, that is the Hawaiian Utility Company. Is that correct? Yep, Hawaiian Electric Industries. Do you own it, Kurt, or are you looking to buy it? Yeah, no, looking to buy it. Um, it's been one of the lagging uh, utilities, and I'm... Don't have a utility in my portfolio, so I was just kind of thinking about uh, one of these uh, between this one and uh, Edison. Uh, but this one seems like it's been uh, lagging. I'm just not sure why it's lagging behind the rest of the utility uh, sector. Hmm. Yeah, this is pretty interesting. It is uh, definitely lagging. If you go back to uh, the lows in 2000, let me let me do a quick analysis here. Let's check this out. My chart's been acting kind of funky lately, so um, let me look at this. You're coming up to some major support here around $31 a share, and now we're at 33 yeah. That would be an interesting level. 27 would be fantastic from a technical perspective, but it may not get there. Yeah, I think... I think 31-ish is a good price for Hawaiian Electric. Their business still remains relatively solid. Their dividend yield of 4% is a little high compared to cash flows and and earnings. Uh, so that's kind of getting stretched. But their balance sheet remains solid. They don't have a ton of debt uh, in relation to, or ton, ton of net debt, let's say that. Uh, so I actually like this. Uh, I think there's... I think you want to be a little patient because it is in a downtrend. However, I like it right around that $31 level. So um, I like what you're looking at, but just be a little more patient on HE Hawaiian Electric. Thanks for the call, Kurt. Okay. 88899 chart, 88992 I encourage you to give me a call. I have about eh, 15, 17 minutes left in the show. Now, my focus point today concerns a story that German bank analysts has described an age of disorder as millennials redistribute wealth. And this is from Deutsche Bank. It's the title of their new research note saying that the world is entering into its sixth distinct era of modern times. They're saying goodbye to globalization and say hello to the age of disorder. And this is where millennials firmly established themselves as the generation in power. And they take revenge and redistribute wealth from the old to the young. Now, millennials are usually defined by those between the ages of 22 and 38 as of last year. I would be an old millennial. I actually turn 37 tomorrow. And this 
research note discuss the inequality within and between countries will not be limited to wealth and income. And what this basically is saying is that you can expect a few things. One is deteriorating U.S.-China relations and the reversal of continued globalization that we've seen over the past 40, 50 years. We're also likely to see even higher debt levels where governments take on more and more debt in order to take more and more control of the economy. Also, there will either be a lot of inflation or a lot of deflation. It's unlikely that governments are going to easily calibrate inflation and deflation as we've seen over the past few decades. Right? We've had kind of low... 1-2% inflation for a number of decades now. And I've talked about how this is being handed over. The role of stimulus in the economy is handed over to the governments. And it's unlikely that they're going to get along well enough and come to reasonable agreements on how to stimulate the economy and how much to stimulate the economy in order to keep the economy, or at least inflation, at a modest rate. It's likely that it's either going to be too high or too low. So look for increasing volatility in the inflation environment. They also say that inequality will likely worsen before a backlash and reversal takes place. And that's kind of what you're seeing now, where MMT is kind of the name of the game. And that's what we've actually seen over the past six months, right? Where handing out checks, stimulus, monetizing the debt, no worry about the level of debt that we have as a country. Why? Because you just print it. Whether that's right-wing policies and right-wing type of spending or left-wing type of policies and spending. Either way, it's going to be MMT because both sides want their policies paid for. It's just that it will be business-friendly type of policies or it will be people-friendly type of policies. They also say the intergenerational divide will widen before millennials and younger voters soon start to have the numbers to win elections and reverse the decades of policy. And that's kind of what you've seen, where you're starting to see baby boomers are, I don't want to say dying off, but getting into their elder years. And there's that natural shift. It's part of the fourth turning, is into the next generation. And millennials, I said, the youngest millennials are 23 now. So millennials are no longer in high school or college. We're we're of the working age population. And what they say is that over the course of this decade, relations will likely deteriorate into bipolar standoffs as both U.S. and China seek to prevent each other's policies from taking share of the global economy and global power. 
and companies are going to have to start to pick sides. Are they going to be in the China camp, the globalization camp, or are they going to be in the U.S. camp? And so all of these cross-currents are hitting this decade. And that's why you are having such, such contentious elections and politics and why it's perfect environment for the fourth turning, which is a rebirth, a positive change that will bring a new era and that's what this report basically says, that we're entering that new era, but that disorder is likely going to be first before we get into the springtime, the first turning, which will come after this, which will be a much better world. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. Hope you're making the right choices with the money in your 401k, in your IRA, your retirement accounts. And candidly speaking, unless you have time to study the fundamentals and trends, it's difficult to know how to invest based on your various investment options and the market. That's where Steve and I can help. And at KP Financial, we have many years of experience with retirement accounts, so we would love to help guide you, explain the certain ass investment strategies that work better for you and might work more effectively within your plan. So why not get started with a no-cost portfolio review? You can call our offices at 800-557-5461 in Irvine, California, or you can send us a message through investtalk.com. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Good news. Steve and Justin have recorded another Rapid Fire Hour podcast. They take caller questions at a faster pace, but you still get their unbiased answers. In this special bonus show podcast, you'll hear responses to 34 finance and investment questions. The theme of the program concerns market processes, best practices for investors, and explanations of various terms and investment opportunities. So tell your friends, search Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, or investtalk.com for the free August Rapid Fire Hour. Independent thinking, shared success. This is InvestTalk, made possible by KPP Financial. Go to Evan in Miami looking at Teva Pharmaceuticals. Hey, good evening, Justin. So, yeah, I was looking at buying some Teva Pharmaceuticals, and I've had my eye on it for some time, but I know they got beaten up pretty bad with the opioid crisis, and then again recently with the DOJ saying they were going to press the suit. And I don't know for a long-term hold if this seems to be a value trap or if it's something you know, I should purchase and hang on to, or should I just pass it up because there's too much stuff concerning it? I was just seeing your thoughts. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Yeah, I would definitely pass up on this. The big issue here is debt. Now, they're digging out of that debt, uh, but their business is slimmed down dramatically. They were supposed to make, uh, they made $5.42 in 2016. This year, they're only supposed to make $2.50. So about 50% of the earnings over the past uh, five years, a drop. And a lot of it has to do with uh, the problems, not just in the opioid crisis, but uh, collusion within generic pharmaceutical companies. And that's a big issue. And there's still lawsuits. And, and uh, they, they acquired a bunch of companies and grew to the largest 
generic pharmaceutical company in the world. And now that their business is slimmed down, it's a lot harder to support that debt. And uh, technically, it looks relatively weak, so I would definitely pass on Teva. Let's go to Estefan in Palo Alto looking at AMA, which is, let's bring that up. Oh, sorry, AMAT, which is AMAT, Applied Materials. This is in the pharmaceutical, not sorry, semiconductor business, semiconductor equipment. Do you own it or are you looking to buy it? Uh, So I own the stock. I've been owning it for about a year now. Uh, Mm -hmm. But uh, there's been recent reports uh, that the U.S. is uh, considering uh, putting export uh, restrictions on Chinese uh, chip makers. So I just wanted Mm -hmm. to know. Uh, is that something to be concerned about? Um, overall, the company looks like it's in good standing with their uh, financials and earnings. Um, so I just wonder your thoughts on that. I think it's absolutely something to be concerned about. Uh, I, either It doesn't matter who wins the election. I think both parties, it's a bipartisan issue to, to be against China at this point. It's just a matter of uh, what policies against China are each side going to implement. And, you know, China plays dirty. We know that with China 2025 and the way they're, uh, they're planning their economy. And I see there's going to be a lot of backlash between the current power of the world, the U.S., and the rising power of the world. And so uh, I could easily see there being some sort of regulation around that export of uh, semiconductor equipment, and that would certainly hurt AMAT. So uh, this has dropped below all its major moving averages, so I definitely would get out. Thanks. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, 888 chart You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888-99-CHART. Hello, this is Rebecca from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Thank you, Steve, for the information on Social Security. I do have another question. I am 60 years old and I plan to take my Social Security closer to 68 to 70. And I'm wondering, is there a max in which it doesn't go over a, a certain amount per month that will determine how long I continue to work? Thank you so much for your time and your advice. Bye-bye. Well, I'm assuming you mean age-wise. 70 is the age where you should just take it because you're not going to get any more than if you wait past 70. So that's really the age that you should uh, should wait to if you're trying to maximize completely your total amount of uh, Social Security benefits. Let's go to Howard in San Jose looking at ExxonMobil. Yes, Exxon and then also Wells Fargo, WFC. Uh, I just want to know what's your opinion to keep it or sell it or... Yeah, I mean, I, I, we still like Exxon. Right we still like Exxon. Uh, we do think that dividend is going to be cut, uh, but we think we're uh, in the next two quarters, fourth quarter, the first quarter of next year, I do think there's going to be a low in oil prices. A lot of it has to do with a weakening dollar and a reduction in supply of oil here in the U.S. that is likely to uh, bring us back in balance. And so, uh, in Exxon, and one of the reasons I like Exxon as well is the fact that they have heavy exposure to the natural gas space, which uh, will, uh, you know, natural gas is going up because of the shut-in wells 
on the shale side. And so we like Exxon, uh, and you just have to be patient with it. Thanks for the call. Now, lastly, I want to get, since tomorrow is National 401k Day, I want to touch quickly on a checklist you should go over to try to help improve your 401k plan. I don't know if you know this, but you can actually push on your HR department, your employer, to improve your 401k plan. Not, they have a fiduciary duty to you, the employer, employee, excuse me, to have the best possible plan. Now, first thing you should do is gather information. Look at the summary plan description. This will show you the features, like how vesting works, default options, contrib- how, how contributions uh, are, are made, how, uh, you know, what your investment options are, uh, those things, right? Next is the Form 550. This includes things like how much is in the plan, plan assets, the amount of administration and other expenses shouldered by the plan, details on the investment choices, etc. So get those summaries and that 550, uh, yeah, 5500, 5, 5, 5, there we go, sorry, uh, and, and look at those. And you want to look at the fund fees. It's not the sole determinant of whether the 401k investment options are good, but at least they're quantifiable. And you want to look at the share uh, classes that you're buying. So a lot of mutual funds have multiple share classes. And so you need to make sure that you are getting the lowest fee share class. They have varying f- uh, fees between share class. Okay. And you need to look at administration fees. How much does it cost to run the plan? Who's paying for this, those administration fees? Is it you? Is it the employer? Is it split? Also, fees levied on participants who use certain features, such as 401k loans. Those are the fees that you need to look at. So, uh, you know, you can use Morningstar.com. That can show you which share classes have the lowest fees if you just look those uh, ticker symbols up. So make sure that you're not being shouldered with higher fees on that front. Now, if you're a participant in a 403b plan, for example, you might have a variable annuity, which are very, very high-cost mutual funds. That's starting to change. So if you have a 403B, you should definitely make sure that you're not in some sort of variable annuity. Step three, check on plan fee levels. This is where it gets a little more confusing, right? Because you're talking about administration fees. And sometimes you might have a flat fee per participant. That's becoming more typical, right? Because the every participant in the plan uses the same amount of service, right? The website, et cetera. And so that's more common. So if you have a, uh, if it's a percentage of your total assets, well, if you have a lot of money, that you might be carrying too much of the burden. So that's something to consider as well. And then breadth of your investment options. That's very important. I would ask all of your plan administrators to make sure you have some sort of precious metal option in there as well in this environment. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I'll return on Monday. Steve Peasy will be here tomorrow with highlights from the newest KPP Premium Newsletter. Remember to tell your friends and family members that they can choose from over 100 archived and best talk podcasts for free. You can browse by topics as well at investtalk.com or iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered and offered to buy or sell securities. 
Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART. 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 